You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Right. Well, there's another guy who left, though, because one of his handlers was like, well, he wants to take as many shots as Alaric Freeman. Like, what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? I went to Keats after that year and said, Omir needs to take this many shots next year because that's how many Freeman took this year. Are and you kidding like, me? <laughs> and Keats rifle, he was like, dude, he had everything he ever wanted. Like, if that's not good yeah. enough for you, then yeah, you should go somewhere else. And that's what ended up happening. Welcome to an ACC podcast. I'm Lauren Brownlow. It's been a while, but this holiday season was just like extra weird in terms of the timing of Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff. So I figured best to wait until the bowl games are mostly wrapped up. We don't really count Boston College um, in this bowl game scenario. At least we shouldn't. And and like when ACC basketball is right about to hit and uh, when I need somebody that I think knows the most about all of the ACC schools in both, I like to turn to my friend Joe Giglio, who covers NC State uh, for the Raleigh News and Observer, for those of you who aren't in our market. But most of y'all probably know him in some capacity. Hi, Joe. Happy New Year, Lauren. Thanks. Um, So I want to get to... We're going to get to the football stuff. I know State wasn't in a bowl, so I want to touch on them right off the top, though, because they made made some coordinator changes, hires, however you want to call it, uh, reshuffled the defensive staff a bit and uh, brought in one singular offensive coordinator, Tim Beck. Um, What do you make of these hires? Um, I'm... I will do my best to refrain from snark about the fact that they were dropped on like the Friday of New Year's weekend <laughs> and then New Year's Day. Uh, that's that's an interesting time to drop that news um, when most people like aren't paying attention. But um, should I read anything into th- they? I would assume they want people to pay attention to these hires or do they? I don't know. That was a weird timing of, of like announcing the reshuffling and the hire. Yeah, it was pretty obvious by the end of the season that Dave Doran was going to go into 2020 with a different play caller. Um, I can understand why they waited through the recruiting period. Obviously, Des Kitchens and George McDonald, who shared that job last year, are their two most important recruiters. So I think that's what you see with this early recruiting period. A lot of these coaching changes, if you will, or staff changes become complicated by it. And I think that explains a lot of the timing of it, but you know, it was obvious by week, whatever that NC state's offense wasn't working last year. And you can chalk up a, a, a good portion of that to some of the injuries. And you could also chalk up a good portion of that to the personnel that they had going into the season. You know, let's not forget the number of players that they lost in the NFL last year. And then they also lost Eli Drinkwitz to, to app state. Eli had called their plays for the previous three years. Um, what to make of it going forward. Yeah, I, I think Tim Beck's a good hire. I think, you know, anytime you have a guy you worked with, like in this case, Dave Doran worked with Tim Beck in Kansas. I think that's how, if you're yeah. NC State, you're typically going to get somebody who has this type of pedigree, right? Um, but there's no, I always say to my NC State fans, and, and they know this, that there's no doctors, there's no lawyers in NC State, okay? They don't, they don't have those schools. So when you don't have those kind of people giving you money, then sometimes you have to work the edges. So I, I kind of appreciate the fact that that's what Dave Doran did here with Tim Beck and whatever his exit was or whatever ha- happened to Texas in terms of, you know, Tom Herman basically saying, I want to call the plays. Okay. Well, what does that mean for your offense coordinator? It means you go and you find somebody you've previously worked with and, and get yourself a good job, which I think that's what Tim Beck did. Uh, and I think, you know, with Dave Doran, you realize like, look, 
Lauren, this this is a three million dollar a year job. He's trying to not only you know keep but protect and, and try to excel. And you have to ask yourself hard questions after a year like the one NC State had, and say, well, what do I have to do to keep myself in this position? And I think it was obvious. Um, I, I need to do the full research on it. But NC State was the only team, ACC team this year that didn't score 28 points in a league game. Like it's not 1974 oh anymore, Lauren. There's not even an option team in the <laughs> league anymore. You know what I mean? Like so, Sadly. it's like impossible not to score four touchdowns in a league game. Which, sadly for NC State, they didn't do in 2013 and didn't do again in 2019. And now I, I yeah. either need to do it myself or get our friend Patrick Stevens to figure out how many times has this actually happened this decade. I, I bet you it's not very many. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah, changes needed to be made and everything else. And I guess like the pay is fairly competitive for an offensive coordinator, especially considering what you know what you were just saying, like seven hundred thousand a year. That's it's okay, right? It's a bump up. Um, and, you know, they saved money last year on Tony Gibson, who's now the defensive coordinator because he was being paid by West Virginia. So, like I said, sometimes you have to find the margins and work the margins. And I, I applaud Dave Dorn for doing that here. I do wonder on the defensive side, like now, like their defensive staff and their, their scheme is what West Virginia used. <laughs> And after watching the Big 12 just kind of flounder in the bowl season, you do have to wonder, like, is this the best um, program to emulate? Not West Virginia in particular, but like, you know, how do you combat the, these spread offenses, which is what led Dave Doran down this path to begin with. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see a full year, obviously, of an adjustment of the three three five, and and knowing what your personnel is heavy on the linebacker side. So, It'll be interesting to see how they can kind of make those adjustments for this upcoming season. Yeah. Oh, before we get to like ACC and Bulls then. So like, who's the quarterback next year? Is it the, is it Finley the second? Like who, who, who are we going with? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I think he is going to get a look. I, I think um, Ty Evans is going to get a chance. Uh, obviously I thought with Devin Leary, when they didn't try to just drop back and throw on every down, he did some of the better things that you would expect out of a quarterback of his pedigree, but, you know, he was also a first-year starter. I'm not completely ready to throw him out, um, particularly in a situation where, like I said, if if you're – His personnel was bad, yeah. Yeah, but it's also, you know, I don't care who you are. You And we've watched – you and I have watched enough of these bowl games and gosh knows enough football even before that. But when you just drop back and announce to the world you're throwing on every down – you better well damn yeah. be like Aaron Rodgers because other than that, it it doesn't work. Like even Brady can't just – there has to be some deception. There has to be some guesswork involved. And um, I thought NC State really struggled with that. I was going to say even Sam Howell in North Carolina as great a season as he had, and he did. Like they're the, – you know, the reason I think that offense worked as well as it did uh, was because they had a really solid running game. So, you know. And they didn't give it's up hard on to it. do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's where I thought NC State was too quick. Yeah, I agree. I, I, yeah, for a lot of games, I thought I was puzzled by the fact that, you know, even when the run seemed to be working, they would go away from it. So, yeah, that's, that touches on NC State. And the ACC's had a weird bowl season, to say the least. I don't know that almost any of the results, except for like Florida State losing, were what I expected. Because none of the games, I think, played out the way that I thought they would. Um, I didn't think Wake would be close against Michigan State because of all the, you know, the personnel that they were down. And then they probably should have won that game. Uh, You know, I didn't think, I I thought Miami would lose. I certainly didn't think they would put up zero points against Louisiana Tech of all teams. Like, oh, Manny. Oh, Manny Diaz. Like, he's got an uphill climb to make people feel good about Miami football. Like, it's I, I saw this stat. It's only the last time. It's only the only time in the last forty years that a P five team, and this is including like Big East, Big Eight, whatever the Southwestern, whatever that is, SWC. <laughs> this is from uh, somebody on Twitter. Uh, was shut out by a team in a non P five in a bowl game. Forty years, like oh Miami, what are we doing? And that was Miami's oh. B team. I mean, there was a lot of guys who sat out that game and. We've that's the one thing about bowl season and, and Georgia won last night basically with their backups too, but it's just kind of like so disjointed. And we saw this um, last year with NC State when two of their best players sat out the bowl game and you're like, 
yeah, I mean, you know it going in, but it's still really hard to play one way all year and then try to figure it out a different way to play. I'm not, I'm not excusing Miami's offense. I'm just kind of no, passing just, through it a little I bit. I think big, yeah, big picture, like it's hard to pull a lot narrative wise and this is why it's kind of a fallacy to do this it's hard to pull a lot narrative wise from what happens during bowl season if it's not one of the major bowls like that's just (laughs) it's just what it is i mean you want your conference to do well if you're in the conference but at the same time like every game is its own entity and like depending on who sits out or who's hurt and all this other stuff like it's just it's hard to pull a whole lot from it we can watch the games and have fun but like it's hard to be like well this is an indictment on this whole right. season yeah, yeah. Um, Clemson yeah. didn't come back against Ohio State because Pitt came back against Eastern Michigan like we we right. fall into this trap every year of oh my god the ACC is terrible because Miami lost to Louisiana Tech or because Wake lost to a terrible you know Michigan State team and it's like well right I mean yeah, and you you touched on Big 12 too and I mean like you can pull some from that because like Baylor wanted to win that game and they didn't look great and then Oklahoma gets just steamrolled um, by LSU you know in the semifinal and that's none of those are a good look right but so we can all agree on that but um, yeah I mean it's just you have to take all these games for what they're worth and uh, you and I have talked about this in person but not on this podcast obviously just yet North Carolina steamrolls Temple which I honestly was surprised by like I thought that it they would win but I didn't think it you know most of their games have played out where it's been kind of close and um <laughs> Uh, didn't I had not seen a lot of Temple before that. Didn't think too much high, more highly of their coaching after that game. But that's, I mean, look, at the second half, like Carolina just ran away with it. So, but like trying the 50-some yard field goal like, well, with a kicker that was not good. That, that's what I tweeted. I'm like, either this guy hasn't watched the kicker in practice or he doesn't miss in practice. Because after getting the, I think it was the PAT blocked, I'm like, there's no reason to attempt a kick of that length. Well, the field goal before that, like, missed horribly and it was shorter. Yeah. Um, it wasn't short, but it was like, I, I, I don't think it was short, but it was, he missed horribly. And like, I was like, what are they doing? Um, yeah. So, I mean, the, but we see that, we do see that from from time to time though, like that, like sometimes kickers that were like, why is this guy kicking? Like the coaches will swear to you that like in practice, he's great. And like, I think that's probably why Mac Brown made that switch earlier this year, because like people were swearing that that guy was great in practice. But like the first time he attempted a field goal, I was like, um, what are we doing here? You know, game pressure field goals, I guess, are maybe a little bit different animal than what they're seeing in practice. And high school to college transition even oh is, is a big yeah, and I feel like at the like, end of that Carolina end of the half, obviously where Temple blocks the field goal, returns it, makes it what would have been whatever at that point, you know, um, a three point game, and then it's offset by a penalty. Gifted them three points. Yeah, I mean that was a big swing, and then I think just looking at the box score right now, thirty five seven in the second half, Carolina, and I think Carolina, I think the one thing you can take from ball season is is when you have a ending like that and you feel good about yourselves which Carolina should, um, you can carry that over when you have so many players coming back the next year. And yeah. you, the next year starts completely different from Carolina. That's one thing you have to keep in mind. But you're in a position now where your your players feel good about themselves, right? Like there was a lot of guesswork last year in terms of, okay, yeah, we got this new coach and we, feel, we do feel better than when we were two and nine. But now you could say, look, now we've actually – won a few games. We've had a positive experience. We have a quarterback who, quite frankly, I'm almost ready to declare the best in school history. Oh, yeah. Um, He's really freaking good. Uh, Yeah, unless he takes a huge drop off, like, it's hard to imagine he will not end his time there as the best. Yeah. I mean, and and Carolina hasn't been, I know know Marquise was really good, and and Mitch, for his moments, was was good, too. Um, But I feel like this kid is special, He's a different. He's a different type of competitor in the fourth quarter, which he's shown, which they just yes. haven't had. You know, I mean, like, I'm sorry, they haven't. And I, I think it puts him. In yeah, Marquise was actually the next closest. I'm with you. Marquise, I think, was the next closest guy in terms of just like he was a great competitor for sure. Yes, absolutely. Um, and yeah, there was a little bit, not to be like whatever about it, but Mitch was very talented, but there was always like that 
that was the biggest difference between those two to me um, was that this little intangible factor. And, and yeah, Sam seems to have both of those things like the arm talent and the little extra, little extra thing that separates like the good quarterbacks from the really, really good quarterbacks. So, yeah, I mean, and you saw after that game, everybody was talking, oh, they'll be the coastal favorite and they might be. I mean, look, Virginia Tech returns like literally almost everybody, assuming the transfer portal doesn't go crazy for them in the offseason. Um uh, and and the one thing I, I guess I would say that separates those two teams in terms of what they return, because Carolina returns a lot offensively, but they do lose some up front. Um, and Virginia Tech really doesn't lose anything. So maybe that's a separating factor. I don't know. I, I like Carolina's quarterback a little bit more and I like Hendon Hooker, but I like their quarterback more. But, you know, I probably like their offense a little bit more. But, you know, the defensive the defensive uh, losses might matter a little bit for Carolina. I don't know. That's a that's a tough one to call for me. But really, there's no one else in that conversation. I don't think in the coastal. Not with a changeover offensively at Virginia. I mean, I don't think Virginia is going to take a gigantic step back. I really do feel like Bronco does have a lot of Tony Bennett in them. Like you know what their basement's going to be, and, and they're going to compete, and they're going to scrap, and they're going to win games that you probably don't expect them to win. Usually at home. Um, but obviously, Perkins was such a huge part of what they did this year that it's hard to say, yeah, they're going to they're win the division again. They're going to win nine games again. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're probably a six and six, seven and five bowl team, though. Um, and then we've mentioned Miami, which, gosh, I, I think I, it was Andy Bittner no. who was like, look, we have to stop doing this. It was like a memo to himself, but I really took it to heart, too. Like, we have to stop picking Miami in the preseason. We do. Um, guilty. Um, Pitt is better than we always give them credit for, but then they'll do something where you're like, I, I want to believe in you. I want to give you more credit. But then you do stupid stuff like losing home to Boston College when you have a chance to have a, um, you know, eight or nine win season Coastal, and you end yeah. up in the Detroit, you know, Rock City Bowl against Detroit, Michigan. Detroit Rocks. It'd be a better name for it. Um, yeah. And, and kudos to Virginia, by the way. I, I did not think that they would keep that game as close as they kept it. I mean, I don't think they were ever really, you know, maybe a few plays here or there, you could argue the game goes a little differently, but I didn't think that they were going to be that close either. And it's a nice way for Bryce Perkins to go out. I thought he looked, he, he played well. And um, I was happy for him and for them that they were finally able to beat Virginia Tech. And so it's a nice end of the season for them. And Virginia Tech. Okay, do you do you have more background on this than I do? Okay, because guys, like if if you don't know, Virginia Tech and Kentucky like evidently hate each other. Like there was a lot of like weird stuff happening. I was seeing videos crop up online of like when they went to the racetrack and like which is like typical pre-Belk Bowl stuff with Kentucky and like there was like shoving then and then like in the pregame, like Lynn Lynn Bowden ends up like punching a Virginia Tech player. But it was enough before the game that like they couldn't eject him for it, which was also weird. Um, and then, of course, he tears them up because, you know, Bud Foster, mobile quarterbacks, all that good stuff. Um, well, it was just a weird the whole thing. The whole thing about the way that game played out was bizarre to me, including seeing Bud Foster, like one of the best defensive minds in college football history, lose his final game on a touchdown pass by a quarterback who can't. Throw. <laughs> yeah, it was a strange like at, it was like one of those water bottles and then you add the, the the mix to it and it was like how are you people hating each other this much you have no history together i, I can't imagine you even recruit the same players i mean <laughs> it's just right. bizarre I don't, it was so weird hating each other over like who got to go first on oval two you know like seriously i don't <laughs> understand why you would dislike each or other like over the belk over the Belk Bowl, yeah. you know, like what are we talking about? The guy who stole no, the I mean, uh, it, Belk Bowl gift card one year. Like I don't, I don't get it. Oh I don't get it. No, didn't he like shoplift the right. Belk? Oh, remember that? That the Belk. He's an NFL tight end now, and every time I see him, I think of that. I'm like, you had a <laughs> gift card. Why? You just or if you're gonna shoplift, like do it later, like not on the trip that you. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but, but yeah, no, and um, RIP Belk Bowl will miss you. Best Twitter account in bowl history. Um, yeah, so, so I mean, Virginia Tech will certainly get consideration. And, I, you know, I, I need to probably take a look at the way the schedules shake out. I mean, Carolina's is certainly a lot better this year in terms of their crossover. I don't remember who it is, but it's not one of the teams that you worry about as much in the Atlantic besides NC State. Um, but, you know, we'll see the way the schedules shake out. That That's always how I determine that, by the way. People are always like, how do you pick your favorite? I'm like, based on the schedule, because that's how you have to do it. Like, that matters so much, especially like, you know, if Virginia Tech gets Clemson next year. I'm a little more apt to pick Carolina. I don't think that they do, but um, 
you know, I mean, that stuff matters. Who you get at home, um, all of that. The heels get Boston so. College in there. Oh, beautiful. See? Other crossover. <laughs> and let's see what the Hokies got here. I wonder if they get... Isn't like... No, who is their Louisville. permanent partner? Their is permanent partner is Boston College, so they get Louisville on the road, which... Yeah, so I mean that's a little tougher, and you know, going through and it's just seeing like who you know who who adds who in grad transfer and all that good stuff, and you know ver- the Hokies have had a hard time keeping people out of the transfer portal. So, and I guess right now everybody's coming back for Carolina, but we'll see. Maybe these guys, maybe these juniors, start to look at you know what where NFL scouts have them and, and change their mind. Mostly talking, mostly talking Chaz Surratt there, of course. But um, Virginia we'll loses the roulette next year; they get Clemson. Oh no! Oof! Yeah. Yikes! <laughs> that won't help Clemson's strength of schedule. Um, yeah, and that that gets us, I guess, to the national semifinal. Um, look, you can probably get way more thorough breakdowns of this elsewhere. I, I don't. I know you're way more into. This is going to sound bad. You're way more into officiating stuff than I am, and that's fine. I, I'm just kind of at this point. I'm kind of over. Like this over, like this over obsession with with officiating and just any moment in any given game, um, it, it, it's all of sports now. It's like this, and it's just, I know it's it's an element of the game that's always going to be there, you know. And I, I don't know that I agreed with the call being overturned because I didn't know that I saw enough to overturn the catch, fumble, whatever you want to call it, um, for Ohio State, Clemson, but like. Ohio State had the lead late. Close out. I mean, what do you want? Like, I I just, I don't know. It it just becomes this thing where it's like, oh, well, that would have won us the game. It's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe the uncalled PI against Miami in the Fiesta Bowl would have won (laughs) Miami that game. Like, maybe that there's a better case for that. You know what I mean? Like, I I just, I don't know. And there's so many chances that you have throughout a given game to win or lose it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm just, I'm I'm a little bit frustrated with with this thing of like, it, it just becomes... I don't know if excuse is the right word. I don't know. I'm, I'm rambling, but I, I don't know if you're with me on this. I'm just, I'm kind of over it. This is 100% fueled though by their AD texting. It was a Pete Tamil, like in the middle of the game and being like, Oh, it was a terrible goal. And it's like, we saw a lot of this with Debbie Al on Twitter. She would just go directly to Twitter and, and air her grievances. But look, I, I'm with you in terms of Ohio State had control of that game. And quite frankly, they, they took a cheap shot at Trevor Lawrence and thought, and he's even subsequently said this, but man, it was like, you don't want to see me angry. Like he hit, he hit Hulk smash mode really quickly after I thought it was a really just stupid play by Chase Young to try to close on him. And he did close on him and tried to he jammed his head into the ground thinking, Oh, we're going to knock this. We're going to knock air quotes sunshine out. And I, mm-hmm. I think Sunshine might need a new nickname. He might need like Cumulonimbus or, or something, Thunder or <laughs> Lightning. Because, I mean, they, they cracked him open. And quite frankly, I didn't, when we talked about being a competitor, I didn't think of him as that type of competitor. And obviously, no, because neither. last year's championship game was so on schedule, right? Um, it's easy. It, yeah, we haven't seen him deal with adversity. Yeah, yeah. it's easy when you're throwing out hoops to you know T. Higgins and Justin Ross, and they're making surface catches, and and they tried to do that early against Ohio State, and it didn't work. And he's he got he got hit, he got up, he got hit I mean, hard, he got blasted on the initial hit. I him and, and and Etn, I've never seen them get hit that hard. It was unbelievable. And Etn, you know, he, he was great. The adjustment they made in that game was, okay, We uh, Higgins goes down, we can't throw the oop, we can't win the outside battles. And Lawrence obviously improvised on his long touchdown run, but then ETN did not have an effective game as a runner, but they were able to get him out in the passing game, and, and I thought that was a really big adjustment, obviously by necessity, by Clemson. Uh, but, man, that last drive, like you, to your point, you're Ohio State, Clemson's down, all you have to do is stop them. And what was it, a four-play drive? I mean, it, it was ridiculous how well um, Lawrence led that drive. That was impeccable. And then yeah, it, it was it know, was crazy. To Ohio State's credit, they came back and drove back down the field. But you know, Clemson made the play. Clemson made the stop. So yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm slightly confused about some of the officiating angst. Obviously, everything's amplified with Ohio State. Their fan base is um, so gigantic that, <laughs> you know, it's not just one person like the AD complaining, but it's the AD throwing out the red meat to those, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of Ohio State fans. Well, as I pointed out with um, on Twitter when I saw that uh, Pete Thamel tweet, um, we all know because he said he was going to start an investigation or something. Gene Smith did, and I was like, "Well, we all know, we all know Gene Smith doesn't tolerate any wrongdoing on his watch." So, you know, chip, <laughs> priorities and such. Yeah, very. Rest of that nonsense, the bow tie cookies. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm not a believer in sports karma for like a wide variety of reasons, um, but. I did enjoy um, the beauty of the moment that they showed Urban Meyer on the sideline immediately followed by the interception. Um, <laughs> it felt appropriate and I enjoyed it. Next Cleveland Browns. Oh, I down. hope so. I really do. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Speaking of sports karma. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look. Oh, you think it's easy Florida, Ohio State? Here you go. Here's a real challenge. <laughs> Although to be fair, like Ron Rivera, by all accounts, a very good dude, now going to coach the Redskins. So that kind of throws that theory out the window. Um, <laughs> poor Ron. I mean, look, Ron knows what he's getting into. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so that I, yeah, I was impressed by Clemson a lot and just their their toughness and um, the adjustments they made, like you said, and, and I knew they would make some because they're so good at that. I, we've seen it even when they face the slightest bit of adversity. The second half, it's just immediately, boom, it's it's, it's fixed and it's gone. And um, I'm still, I, I like Ryan Day as a coach. I remember him back from when he was Boston College's offensive coordinator and I thought had a particularly impressive game plan like at NC State. Like that was the first time I remember noticing him and being like, dude, this guy is like, like this guy gets it. He has a really good offensive mind. And I still think that he does. I think maybe his game management and he had to be fair to him. He hadn't he hadn't had to manage any game this year, really. Like they blew everybody out. And yeah. I think that's where I, he has the most room probably to self scout and you know evaluate himself and grow as a coach. Like the punt block he went for to me was not the right time uh, at all. And I was I, I mean, I didn't want. I didn't care who won necessarily really that much, but I was furious when he did that because I'm like, dude, you're about to get, you just got to stop before that. You're about to get the ball back again, you know, in great field position because Clemson can't punt in, in case, you know, in case you were new to Clemson's, you know, body of work, like they're not very good at special teams. So like maybe that's why he went for the punt block, but also just get the ball back and go score. Like you're probably going to get at least three out of it. I just, uh, that was, that was a mind boggling decision to me. Um, and in fairness to Ohio State, J.K. Dobbins turned. Yeah, his oh ankle. for sure. You know he was blasting through Clemson in the first quarter. Yeah, the and, ankle and, tweaking. Uh, and... Obviously, that changed the, the tenor of the game because he was really only able to run straight forward, which we saw in that final drive. They were able to dump off some some swing passes to him, but he couldn't cut like at all. Yeah, and I know so Fields I Fields think injury he, I think impacted his ability to run as well, but. Um... But, you know, that's. Yeah, he didn't run. He barely yeah. ran at all. So, but, you know, um, Clemson lost Higgins for the most part and found a way to win. Um, you know, Amari Rodgers makes the big play on the, on the game winning drive for them. You know, look, these guys have talented players. Um, and I think you're right. I think it's disingenuous to be like, well, we lost because of X. Well, or, and it's like. Know, it's certainly something you didn't control either. You know, like there are things that Davo has spent the whole off season or his whole season basically talking about how disrespected they are. And a lot of us have rolled our eyes. And then after this game, you see like national analysts after national analysts just being like, well, you know, if just one or two plays went differently for Ohio state. And it's like, you know, things went bad for Clemson at times too, right? The biggest difference between these two teams is that anytime Ohio state had something go wrong, Clemson took advantage of it. That's what great teams do. Yeah. Like they're just adding fuel to Dabo's and, fire, and that almost annoyed me more because I'm like, now we can't even say Dabo's wrong because you're saying stuff like this, and it's like, come on, man. And I, you know, we talked at the NC State, um, was it the Citadel or the other game? I can't. App, yeah. Right now, but uh, and I, they took. I thought Clemson took a punch, and you had pointed out, you know, that they did at Carolina, and they did early, I guess, but it just seemed like. I never thought they were in danger of actually losing at Carolina. Whereas this game, you know, they're down 13, nothing. And I'm sitting here going, and to your point about their special teams, their kicker, their kicker, there's something wrong with that kid. He's like the most talented kid I've ever seen in my life. 
but he, he can't make like, you know, mid range 40. Yeah. You know, and that's what you need. And he missed another one against Ohio state. It's like, you don't want to get yourself in a situation where you have to win the national championship or this playoff game based on that kicker or, or something with their special teams. Cause I just don't feel like it's, it's wild that. to me. I mean, Clemson's had, I think better kickers than Alabama. I don't think that's, I don't think that's arguable, but it's wild to me that like the two most dominant teams in college football over the past like five years have kicker issues. It's like, well, I'm telling you, this kid Potter. If you went to a camp and saw somebody with natural talent, you, this is the yeah. first kid you pick. Yeah. But there's something missing there because he's he's had a really tough year. Yeah, and, and he I, and Dabo have been at it. I hesitate to single yeah. him out, but I know. You know. Well, and their special teams have struggled in other areas too. I know Bill Connolly does the S and P ranking still for ESPN now, and they're that's that's obviously still their worst area by you know a large margin. Now they're top in like offense and defense, so you know it's all relative. But that stuff can that stuff can flip games for you, and it it didn't in this one in large part because Ohio State you know helped in that department by doing something. So just let Clemson special teams take care of themselves, man. Like, come on. Ugh. Um, yeah, but anyway, um, they'll go into the game with LSU as the, uh, as the enemy, which I'm sure Dabo actually secretly loves. So, cause like, who doesn't want coach O to e- that even overcomes S- SEC fatigue, right? Is, is like coach O and the great story there. Cause they're such a likable team. I mean, that's one of the more likable teams I think we've seen in a while, um, that LSU team. So it'll be interesting. I'm not going to like get into breaking that game down right now because yeah, we still got ACC basketball to hit, I guess. I'm. I still hate like the way this season has started and like the fits and starts of ACC. Like, okay, you know who's in the top half of the league standings right now? Boston College is, and that makes me furious because I watched Boston College live on New Year's <sighs> Eve, right when they played at Duke. This team is terrible. Like, this is like Steve Donahue era bad offensive Boston College, like. This team, to me, we were sort of going through because um, that game was out of hand in a hurry. Obviously, we were going through like who are going to be those bottom teams, like those Tuesday ACC tournament teams. And I guess Georgia Tech's out of that mix, anyways, because they're ineligible, right? So we've got what mm-hmm. we've. I mean, I think Boston College is pretty solidly in that group, and and Clemson, Clemson as well. Um, and sadly, I guess Notre Dame because Notre Dame lost to that bad Boston College team, and now I like am furious at Notre Dame for that at this point. Um, like, how do you lose to that team? That team is so bad. Do you have anybody from that team on your fantasy team? Of course I do. My my star, <laughs> Stefan Mitchell. He's a oh boy, unbelievable roto player. Not a great scorer. Well, they don't have any great scorers. Oh my god that that is the uh, that's the worst offense in the ACC. And like with all the bad offense we've seen in college basketball, that's saying a lot. Um, like, yeah, I think they're in that mix, though, for sure. Um, I guess Wake's in that mix, although you never really know with Wake what they're going to do from game to game. Um, so, yeah, I guess you got, like, at the bottom of the league, you're looking at, like, Clemson, who looks terrible. Um, Boston College, Wake, maybe. I guess, I don't know, Miami? Or I don't know what to do with them. Their coach is so good that it's hard to... I know. And I love against them in the long run. But you yeah. do have to. I could see them finishing in the middle. What personnel do they have? Although Ken Palm has them going eight and twelve, which you would imagine gets you out of that Tuesday at least. Obviously, you know, yeah. we went into the season thinking it was going to be Virginia Tech, and yeah, man, and I don't been think a so. Revelation. Um, I need to learn more about Landers Nolly since I've given him my my best nickname of 2019. Which is what's Blah, his blah. Name? <laughs> For whatever reason, oh. I see him. I see that name. I'm blah, blah, blah. Just yeah. throw something in me. <laughs> um, they, they're, I mean, to I, me, that guy's done an unbelievable job because I didn't think he was left with much, and he wasn't. Obviously, Nolly's really good, but the rest of it, he kind of, you know, paper clipped and bubble gummed together. And, um, he's a really good coach, <laughs> I think. He is. He's, he's done a, uh, Tremendous job this year. They they are playing NC State's schedule from last year. I noticed that when they played yes. uh, VMI and UMass in consecutive games. <laughs> there's a Upstate in there, a Copy, Delaware State. Yeah, their schedule's not uh, good. It's terrible, but they have a win over Michigan State. Let's see what they're on. Well, they've only played one league game. Or no, they lost to Duke. Okay. 
Yeah, they and they've um, they've mostly, you know, they don't have a bad loss. They've had some wins that have made me scratch my head a little bit. Like, I think they barely beat VMI and um, they had another close win in there that I was like, ew. But um, Chattanooga. Uh, yeah, that's the one because Chattanooga is very bad. But yeah, I mean, for the most part, besides that, they've they've taken care of business. So that they're they're a little bit of a wild card to me, too, because you do wonder if the personnel issue comes back to bite them. At some point, um, but so far it hasn't. And then Syracuse is another one of those teams that, like, I- I'm, I'm on paper you want to write them off because they look like crap. Um, but it's hard to do that because we know their history. Yeah, I mean, their best win is Georgia Tech right now. Like, but I mean, who who among us would be surprised if they snuck their way into the NCAA tournament? Right? It feels I mean, like nobody. that's what they do every year. Um. I I was just going through this with NC State. Like, I was trying to figure out, okay, what are your good games that you have left? Because most teams have 18 league games left, which is really a full schedule from the previous few years. And I'm sitting here looking at it, though, you know, and you're like, okay, well, do you play Louisville twice? No, you don't. Well, for State, they play Duke and Carolina. But the home game with Carolina right now is a Q3 game, which, I mean, that would just blow your mind. (laughs) Wouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, so I, I guess with a lot of these teams, what we have to do is go through, like you said, and say, okay, well, what are your real opportunities? Because to me, it feels like Virginia Tech could be an NCAA team. I'm just not sure how many of those other teams in that middle, you know, swatch there where you could say, okay, if you pick off um, Virginia, Louisville, Florida State, you know, two of those, then you'll be in the tournament. I just don't, I'm not sure that that, formula from last year where Syracuse, right, they had the win over depleted Duke, and that was pretty much what put them in the tournament. So I don't know if there is that this year. It's almost going to be, do you have like two or three of these wins? Whereas at least we know Virginia Tech has Michigan State in their back pocket. Yeah, I don't, I'm I'm on the net ratings page and I don't see like strength of schedule on there um, for whatever reason, but I'm guessing Virginia Tech is probably quite bad. and probably, I would guess it's in the 300s, if I had to guess. So Syracuse's strength of schedule is a little higher. And as we know, the system doesn't always punish losses that much. They want to see you play right. good teams. And and I, which I'm, you know, I'm okay with that. But if you have no good wins in the non-con, like, <laughs> and Syracuse did do a decent enough job, it looks like, of scheduling those kind of mid-tier teams. Um, they only have like one team in the 300s on Ken Palm. So that could help them, I guess, but I don't know. They, they better, they, ugh, I don't know. They, they're going to have to figure some stuff out. Um, it's wild to me that Syracuse is last in the country in um, like, this is such a random stat, but I'm just looking at it on Ken Palm and I actually thought it was a mistake. Like <laughs> their opponents have assists on almost 72% of their made shots. That's amazing. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like <laughs> That's last in the country as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. Must be because um, of the zone, and a pass will lead to a basket more often than not. Um, yeah, and they're they're also last in terms of like their uh like the the teams are attempting fifty percent of their shots from three, which okay. that you would expect against yeah. the zone. VT but, yeah. uh, non conference SOS is three three six, which should Ooh, make boy. you appreciate NC State's three fifty three even more. Like, yeah, how. In the world. How? <laughs> I even wrote the story and explained it, and I'm still going, how, a year later? Well, and I was talking about this with an NC State uh, person on Twitter the other day. You know, I think most reasonable NC State people understand, like, yes, they know net ranking was a guide, but they also know that if it's close at all, they were going to use, you know, they understand that they had to use that, you know? They had to use the fact that their SOS was so bad as a tiebreaker because they do work to discourage you scheduling bad in the non badly in the non-conference. And I think Keats did such a good job this year of like learning from that mistake um, and, and scheduling way better, but it also takes bad luck. Like to get yeah, to that point, you have to <laughs> like, you do have to have some degree of bad luck. Vanderbilt didn't win basketball the rest of the year. Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> like and Penn state was worse than expected and just, Nothing went their way, but that's also why you have to do a good job of scheduling those mid-tier, like, 100-range teams that, you know, will challenge you. Like, I thought App was a great type of game for NC State to schedule. You know, you learn way more about your team. Yeah, I mean, they were way more competitive. I don't know. I didn't know much about their coach from Presbyterian, and I was impressed with the way they played. I thought they were a fairly athletic 
growth looking group too. So um, yeah, I mean, that's it shouldn't the, take yeah, that you learn way to, more about your team right. to, to play a game like that than you do <sighs> you playing do. the Citadel, you know? So, well, you know, last year it was, they picked five of those games. You know what I mean? What some, some state fans get upset about, well, you know, Vanderbilt Garland got hurt and Asheville was whatever, but it's like, yeah, but you know, you miss, you know, you know, some of these yep. schools that you pick, St. Peter's. They were projected to finish at yeah. the bottom of their league. And yes, they all had new coaches, don't forget. They played, yep. they scheduled like, <laughs> man, it's it funny. Like because, five games, right? Yeah. It's funny because App State was the only one this year with a new coach. And they're the ones who look, of those kind of middle group, obviously they knew what they were getting with UNCG, which was a great game. Um but the App State was the only one with a new coach. And I was just kind of like, well, you're, you're already ahead of yourself, right? Like, can we not pick crappy teams who've, who've made coaching changes? Like, that should be just a little bit of a baseline. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's why NC State's put itself in a great position to where if it's close at all, it's not going to come down to that um, in any way, shape, or form. So that's good. And to me, as I look at sort of the ACC race, I guess, like, I, I think we have a pretty clear cut, like, top tier of teams. And then there's some teams that you circle and think like, okay, well, if things go well for this team, you know, you never know. And I think NC State, and I know this is like a very uncomfortable place for a lot of NC State people to be in, but NC State's definitely one of those teams that you circle and say, okay, you know, you could see a scenario where they, you know, sneak into that top four, get that double buy. And I I think that's a scenario that you could see play out, right? Absolutely. I I mean, I still think Virginia is going to be, there in one of those really? top four. I do. Cause when you start looking at Virginia, I know they're not great on offense and they have all kinds of other issues, but you still have to beat them there, which yeah, that's not true. many that's teams are capable of doing. Um, and defense, defense helps like yeah. they, they can and will defend and you know, that'll keep them in games even when they're not shooting well, which is more often than not. And it's also a style of play. Like last year when, when Kobe White saw them the first time, I thought, well, Carolina should win this game at home and probably would have if Cam Johnson didn't get hurt at the end there. But it's hard. And I've seen it so many times with NC State. And NC State's had some really good lead guards. But you have to know how to play against Virginia. And one of the things I've always pointed out that Virginia fans hate is that Tony Bennett's record the second time a team plays them is obviously not as good as the first time when he sees a team. Um, but we're used to, obviously, in this neighborhood of Mike Krzyzewski and Roy Williams and Dean Smith just murdering you the second time they saw you. Um, so I think one thing that helps Virginia is this unfamiliarity. And also, obviously, it helps when you're in a league where, let's let's be honest, how many teams are really the same as they were last year? So NC no, State yeah, might have an advantage there in terms of at least they've been through it a, a time or two. But, you know, Duke... Trey Jones obviously helps, um, but they're going to play a lot of teams who are seeing them for the first time. And I just, I know they're limited on offense, but I just feel like, I just feel like they're going to have a chance to actually finish first with Duke and Louisville. So we're, yeah, Duke, Louisville, Virginia for you then, and then Florida State? (sighs) Florida State's athletic. Florida State is what (laughs) they are. I want to love them so much because I love Lenny Hamilton so much. He's like now getting Twitter active and like tweeting out like self-aware pictures of him and Bunny Colvin from the wire. And like, it's so great. I just love everything about Lenny and I want them to be good. And like, I mean, they've been, I mean the, the pit loss notwithstanding, um, they've been pretty good. Yeah. I think beat Florida, beat Tennessee, beat Purdue. Um, but we've seen this in the middle of the season with them at times where they go through a little bit of a swoon and they get turnover and um, struggle a little bit. Look, that's the thing about and I, I tweeted this out and I got a little pushback, but like the ACC season is is like it's a cliche, but it is a grind like it just is. It's hard. And, you know, to go to go to 20 this year, like you just have stretches of time where you're, you're playing like three games in six days and, and you're tired yeah. and you, you know, it, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And you can sometimes not show up against a team that you should probably beat. And um, there's a reason I think you see the same few teams at the top of the league standings more often than not. It's because it's really hard. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I want to believe I do. I like Florida state. Um, they've got some nice pieces, like you said. I'm still learning who like half of the players are in this entire league yeah. because like I was looking at Boston College's roster the other day and I'm like, 
oh yeah, Derek Thornton. And then like everybody else besides, you know, your boy Mitchell, I'm like, <laughs> who are you? Because Popovich was out for them. Uh, I did have to laugh because after the game, Coach K said, in some ways, without Popovich, they become harder to defend. And I was like, literally, okay, dude, no. I almost pulled a Jillio and like, but I know better because it's K and just like turned around. Come on. Come, come, come on. on. For real, for real. <laughs> Nothing about this Boston College team, even probably with Popovich, is difficult to defend. Yes, they have four small guards or like four smaller players, but like none of them can shoot. So who cares? Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you, <laughs> yeah, I'm not ready to give up on the heels yet either. I I know. Not completely, no, but top four? Mm-hmm. So is Cole coming back? Like, that's my question. I mean... <laughs> He's going to come back. Yeah. Okay. The question for me is when. So they can, I think, very easily withstand this opening stretch and come away. You know, they got Clemson at home. And yeah, sorry. I, I really don't think this is your year, Clemson. Like, I don't. Because um, they got GT, Pitt, Clemson, Pitt, which. Yes. You know, like, that's a stretch that they can. Yeah. With, I, if they get out of that opening stretch, like with at like four and one or five and one, I guess, if you throw Miami oh, into that GT, mix at home on January yeah. 25th. Yeah. Like. I don't see why. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if he comes back and he's good, he's good to go. Um, it really hurts. I don't know. We still don't know what happened with um, with Anthony Harris, Harris. yet. It yeah, didn't look good. Obviously, I did not. They're dead at this point. Him. But I mean, I feel like yeah. and we talk about this at, at some point in every season, but it's like, yeah, Roy Williams is a really good coach. <laughs> like <laughs> He is. But this 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 offense, though, is that's different for just, him. For sure. And, and Bayco yeah. needs to get better. Like, I, you know, freshman. Yeah, I don't know. And, and I don't know how much. Down right now, but, they're not saying about anything about the ankle right now. But I mean, I did see the way it bent against Ohio State. And I was stunned to see him back against Virginia. Like, that's completely right. stunned. Yeah. And, and so maybe there's that's playing it. I don't know. Because yeah. um, he looked great. Like. He looked great against Oregon. Really, really good. That's a top 10 team. Yeah. Like, I, I know. And he played pretty well against Virginia, all things considered. <laughs> like, um, But he's been awful for the most part since then. And yeah, they need, they got to have more from him. Um, I just don't know where the offense comes from. I mean, I guess Jeremiah Francis and Anthony Harris have both been really good since they came back. And that's helped them a lot. But they can't, they can't afford to have another guy go down. Um, right. Not and to mention how much it sucks for that kid. Yeah, but. and that's where the, the issue with Harris, who is you're figuring going into the year, wow, it'd be cool if this guy could help us. And then he's pressed into a role and, and produces for you. And then now, obviously, just from the early indications, it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to, to come back this season. So that's that's difficult in the position that they're in. And I Maybe not top four, but I'm saying in terms of I'm not giving up on Carolina in the sense, and I'm pretty sure I said there's like missing the tournament. Yeah, like I've said. Oh no, me neither. Um, You have a Hall of Fame coach, and if Cole Anthony comes back and looks anything like he did in the first few games, assuming he's not Kyrie Irving part two, you know, I'll give him a puncher's chance in the turn in a tournament like this where everything is so wide open this year. It's not. You know, there's just no killer out there this year, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I'll say this too. like Ken Palm hates them as much as he's hated Carolina in many years, probably because their offense is so bad. I'm not saying he hates them like his math, right, hates right. Them, which, yeah. Um, and he still has them going 22 and nine. It, it, it's hard to imagine they don't get into the NCAA tournament at 22 and nine. Right. I'm trying to look at what the, well, the Oregon in, wins going to help him. Alabama in this year's ACC tur- in this year's NCAA tournament, like yeah. with everyone being what they are, it's tough to imagine that doesn't get you in. So I'm kind of with you on that. I'm not ready to write them off in terms of the NCAA tournament just yet. Um, I wonder, same with them though, opportunity, right? Like I'm just looking right now and I'm only seeing one Louisville. They do get Virginia back at their place, and then obviously the two Duke games. Where do they play Florida State? Down there, which uh, is their yeah, that's always not tough. Win yeah. Down there. <laughs> yeah, but they get Miami twice. I think they get do they get Wake twice? No, they get Wake once. Um, they get Boston College twice. Like that always helps. They just need to avoid <laughs> bad bad losses. I think that's Ooh, their biggest thing. Lol, if if Roy's annual sweep of state is what actually gets. Carolina into the tournament this year. 
<laughs> I don't, do, I don't know. See, and that, so that gets us like, I do want to circle back to state a little bit from like an intangible perspective, right? Because yes, we can look at them on paper and say all the, all of these things. And I actually, one thing that I, I like about Kevin Keats a lot, and I've touched on this with Ryan Day, it's different sport, obviously, but like there's an adjustment to be made. He's been a head coach, obviously, but it was in the CAA. And I think when it comes to scheduling, just the way he runs things, adjustments, everything else. It's been a little bit of an adjustment for Keats too, but I, I see that like ongoing with him. And I think that that's been a really good sign. Like him going to two bigs the other night. I know that's not something he likes to do, but it worked really well. Um, and I, I just sort of see him making these little like tweaks and adjustments. And you can kind of see that the CAA coach in him, you know, go away and him becoming more like the ACC coach that state kind of needs him to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's an adjustment process, right? And I think for his first two years especially, it was I, – I actually go back to his Hargrave experience because I feel like oh yeah, he turned over his roster. That's what you do at Hargrave every year. And I feel like the first two years, whether it was his choice or not, there, there was a lot of roster turnover. And it was like, look, you, you can't do that in the ACC. Look, Duke does that, but they do it with – for a lottery grant. NBA right players, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't do that and have long-term success in this league. Notre Dame, Virginia, even Carolina recently with Roy um, have been, let's get some good players and develop them. And that's what that's why I always say Jericho Helms is the most important player on this team. I just want to see oh, Kevin go get a guy, play him, develop him. Manny Bates, another one, you know? Oh, love Manny. And I think yeah. that's what points you home. And I think when he had the recruiting class that he had in um, November there, I thought that was a great sign. Look, we went out and signed some guys now, assuming none of them pull a Jalen McHugh and, and don't show up. And, you know, <laughs> you're going to put yourself in a position where you're not scrambling every year. And like I mentioned, you're, you're being in a position where, hey, we're playing Virginia. We know how to play against Virginia because we've done this. We, we have some continuity. In our program, our yeah, roster. the guys have, have experienced it. Yeah. Exactly. Look, one of the one of the smartest things Mark Gottfried ever said to me was, in, in, and it applies to all college basketball, was when you go to Carolina or Duke or Kansas, it's your fault when you want when it doesn't work out. It's your fault. So your family never says to you, "Oh, it's the coach's fault. You need to transfer." When you go to every other school in the country, or most of them, it's the coach's fault. And it's true. The coach gets blamed at every school <laughs> in that scenario. And you ha- that's where you have these guys leaving. Hey, he's not playing you enough. Hey, he's never won a national championship. Hey, he's never won this. He's never won that. He doesn't know what he's doing. I'm, he's not playing. I'm still, I'm still retroactively very sad, though, that like um, we did not get an Omer Yurt 7 on this NC State roster with, you know, the potential to uh, play two bigs and things like that. Cause I actually thought he was really, he could have been really good. And in, right. in well, there's another guy who left though, because one of his handlers was like, well, he wants to take as many shots as Alaric Freeman. Like what? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? He went to Keats after that year and said, Omir needs to take this many shots next year because that's how many Freeman took this year. And Are you kidding like, me? <laughs> and Keats rifle. He was like, dude, he had everything he ever wanted. Like, if that's not good yeah. enough for you, then yeah, you should go somewhere else. And, and that's uh, maybe try maybe try staying on the court. I don't know. Not yeah. getting into foul trouble every other game. Yeah. Um, oh, I enjoy him here. Don't get me wrong. But no, you know, me I too. I, you, you get some of these people tangentially involved, and it's just kind of. Like, and also, Al Freeman took like th- like thirty shots a game, partially by necessity. Well, by need. Yeah, <laughs> right. absolutely. Who else was going to choose? You're not going to be a very good team if you're taking 30 shots. A, if if uh, Omir, if, if anybody's going to take like 30 shots a game, it's not ideal for what you want to do. But like, unless that player's like really, 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 really good. Um, but definitely not Omir. No offense to Omir. Um, yeah. So that's, that's, that's an, they're an interesting team to watch. I know every time we, uh, the, the, I think the joke's been made about NC State in football before, but I guess it maybe somewhat applies to basketball that they're like the ghosts of Mario, where I think it was um, Ryan Nanny, just to give full, cor- full credit, that made this joke that if you, they're like the ghosts in, uh, in uh, Mario, where if you look at them, they run away. Um, <laughs> and, and I guess, you know, so I, I don't, I, I don't know. I think that they're probably okay with the hype machine 
not necessarily being behind them right at this point in time going into ACC play. But, you know, if they take care of business and do what they need to do, I don't think it'll take long before that starts building up um, for them a little bit because they certainly have a lot of pieces. Um, and they got, you know, they got, uh, who do they have? They're at Clemson. I, I have been on record with this. They're, on, they're at Clemson this weekend. I will be furious if they lose that basketball game. Like, <laughs> I, I, will be, I will be like... Clemson basketball, so... I have a hard time believing that they there's a scenario where they lose. I think if I don't know that there's no uh, boy, I can't remember the kid's name. I'm losing my mind. The big kid who transferred from Texas A&M. Oh yeah. I know. Like that's the thing. When I look at rosters, when I look at rosters, I have no idea. I'll look it up. Uh, They've got, they've the only name I know on that. There's nobody in the middle who should bother them. They have, they have better skill players than, than Clemson does. You still have to go on the road and do it, though. Um, yeah, I thought going to Wake was a good setup then for them to show. Then again, they do have some experience in Markel, and, and let's see if CJ Bryce comes back. I imagine he will. Um, Missed the previous game with his concussion protocol. Um, but yeah, with Manny and, and DJ Funderburg, kind of, we still really haven't seen DJ and Markel kind of really be Click at playing time, at the same yeah. game. Um, mm-hmm. I think when that happens, it'll be you know, you'll, you'll keep seeing some of the development of, the, of this team, which and the early slate is friendly to them as well. Yeah, it is. It is, and, um, and that's the kind of lull you kind of have to avoid too. Of just thinking, oh, we're going to go to Clemson and win because I think to your point about the difficulty of the schedule is that's not how the world works anymore. You can't just roll the ball out. You got to be able to actually go and take care of business. And they got Clemson, Notre Dame. They go to Virginia Tech, where I can't remember the last time they won. And then yeah. Miami and Clemson again before a big game at Virginia on the 20th. So, you know, I, I think you're right. I think the parts are there. And I don't think there's many coaches who have a better roster, one through seven-ish, than, than State does. Um, it's just a matter of how those pieces will kind of like I said, can we see them all together, which I feel like we haven't many times this year. Um, and can we see them all going at the same time? Yeah, too? no, I'm with you on that. And, you know, Duke is Duke. And I'm not going to I'm not going to ding Louisville too much for Kentucky. Um, it, th- that's just what I mean. I'm not trying to be mean when I say this, but like that's just kind of what Louisville does is lose to Kentucky. Um, <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't know that I'm going to glean a whole lot from the fact that they lost that game, but it is unfortunate. And I know their fans get frustrated. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't help. They need to win a few of those for that rivalry stuff to really pick back up. I think, you know, I know that their fans hate each other more than Duke and Carolina fans. Like, I think we all understand that, Yeah. but there's a reason it's played in late December at the same time as a college football playoff game, which was, I was so angry about that because college basketball just does itself no favor. Sometimes like, that game should not be there. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, but like it, Louisville could behoove itself to win a few of those. And, you know, maybe it becomes a little more competitive. Um, Carolina and Duke always means something, even if Carolina and Duke fans aren't, I mean, we, we all know there's not that many Duke fans around here. You grow up around them. Right. right. But like, because like you pick a team and why wouldn't you pick Duke if you grow up in the triangle? <laughs> um, but you don't know like adults don't go to work and have to be around right. Duke fans you know like that's just not a thing we don't <laughs> it's really not state and Carolina fans yes yeah. that happens quite frequently and ECU fans and whatever but like not it's just not a thing so it's a it's a different type of rivalry but um, people get all sensitive when national like Dan Dockage I don't know if you saw this that he tweeted like this is the oh, most yeah. Like, yeah. he said Duke Carolina is nice but this rivalry has the most hatred between the fan bases and like people jumped all over Dan Dockage, but I was like, he's not saying anything that's wrong. I right. know that we're used to that from Dan, but like, that's not, <laughs> he didn't like, he didn't say anything that's wrong. What he said was correct. Like we don't have to get all defensive. Um, Duke Carolina doesn't need anybody's help to <laughs> get perceived well from a national point of view. So uh, yeah, maybe, maybe state, I, I don't think Carolina sweep state. You don't really think that's on the table. Do you? <laughs> Why not? Come on. The, the oh, come on. <laughs> I mean. uh, but he has some. Uh, 
with this Carolina team? They should split, obviously, but I mean, I did laugh to myself going back to 2010, and like that was the next worst Carolina team, obviously, like under Roy. Mm -hmm. And you know what happened that year too? Yeah, Yeah, they swept. They swept the Wolf Pack. They did, but. I mean, state was not as good as this year's state team, though. No, like that's I've, not. I've, <laughs> to be they fair, should, they should figure it out. I mean, there's a mental aspect of it too, right? I mean, but Kevin yeah. Keats won there his first year, and I think after the weight game, he was kind of miffed. He's like, "Why do people always say that we lose in Winston Salem?" And I'm like, "Well, you've won there twice, but you try to understand like the program. This is a recent history like, thing, dude. Yeah, like yeah. three times in the last, you know." 40 years or whatever that And you add football to the equation right. and it just becomes yes. you know, even more magnified. Particularly when you're <laughs> in the overlap of the two seasons, it becomes magnified. Um, so I'll get you out of here on this, but um, Coach K got a little miffed when asked about Duke's regular season um, uh, I, I, title, if you will, um, or lack thereof in the last <laughs> few years. Um, and I didn't know... I mean, just for lack of a better way of putting it, I guess, though, who do you, who do you think would shouldn't they win it this year? I mean, that was kind of the question that was being hinted at um, all the and, and as you might imagine, Kay did not take too kindly to it. Um, like they're going to be the favorites and they should be right. the favorites. Well, never right. well, I guess yeah. right there. Yeah. 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 But, you know, and I like Chris Mack, but if you're going to compare the coaches, like you probably give the edge to the coach with a little bit more on his side. And he was very defensive about it and was like, we've won this decade. I guess they hadn't, they've won one or they've, I think that's what it would, they tied for one, I believe. And that was it. And he was very defensive about the fact that they've won national titles. And they've done all this other stuff. And like, that's what we'd rather do. And I, I was, I was sitting there thinking like, well, can't you do both? But <laughs> Um, and we've won ACC tournaments, but I think we both know, like when it comes down to what he would rather win, he, he doesn't, if he needed to sacrifice his team and like rest guys for the ACC tournament, like he doesn't care, you know, I but, only problem I had with what he said. And at, I think one point I think he was trying to make was they had the best team last year and then Zion got hurt. And basically the games they lost last year were without Zion or sure. the one game in Durham against Syracuse where the guy hit a 70 foot shot. Um, but the one thing, the only problem I had with it was when he talked about their difficult schedule, like it drives me crazy when either Carolina or Duke even attempts to say you have a tough schedule. Okay. Maybe, but you can't play yourself and you certainly can't play yourself at home, which is the most difficult home court advantage in all of sports. So spare me (laughs) your home court's worth 15 points by itself. So you can't by definition, have the toughest schedule. That's my only problem I had with what he said. I totally agree, you know, with the success that they've had and and whatever he's prioritized. I think it's tough continuity wise to get guys to care in terms of, Hey, this is what we're really playing for, which is the national championship. Then to kind of try to dial it back and be like, it would be awesome to be the number one seed in the ACC tournament. So it's kind of, I get what he was saying. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just, I do assuming like health factors aren't involved and stuff too, for teams. Like I, I think I, do I think it should be the thing? No, but I mean, I, even with the unbalanced schedule, I appreciate um, the accomplishment of it, I guess, because yeah. it is hard to do. Like it's hard, hard, hard to keep your team focused. Like you were saying, especially like going, you know, the state players have talked about this before, like going to a half empty Boston college arena and like, you know, letting some random dude from Boston college get hot against you. And, and there's like 10 people there and you're like, what do you know? What just happened? It, it's nine o'clock. Um, uh, a former NC State SID, um, we both know Josh Retray had this theory that like teams just he, he's he's actually like looking into it that teams don't do as well like on the road at 9 p.m. tips um, just because it's a hard hard it's a hard type of game to play and you're you're off your routine and everything gets kind of messed up and that's particularly true in conference play I think and it's a hard grind like it's hard to do I don't care who you're playing against it's difficult to get through the schedule and and have fewer losses than everybody else. Like, I, I just think that's at least worth, you know, it's, it's worth a nod. I know that it's not perfect and it's imbalanced, but it's worth a little bit of credit to me. And the thing is Duke's been, and Kay was right to point this out too. Duke's been towards the top, you know, obviously, or else like they wouldn't be winning national titles right. and doing what they've been doing. Cause if you lose a lot in conference play, you're not getting a high seed. Um, but you know, I do think it's, it's still like an accomplishment 
worth noting. Doesn't mean Kay's not a good coach. I don't think anybody would say that. <laughs> so easy there. I just like it when he gets fired up. So I'll take it. I was surprised. Yeah. And I was still a little shaken up by him saying that Boston College was harder to defend without <laughs> Nick Popovich. Because I'm, I'm like, yo, come on, man. Like, uh, poor Jim Christian. He had microfracture surgery in his ankle, so he couldn't even oh. make it to the media room. Oh, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah, he's coaching in a walking boot. It looks super uncomfortable. Um, I don't know if it would make a difference if he weren't coaching, quite frankly, but it's whatever. Um, all right, well, I'll get you out of there on that because I thought that was worth bringing up. Um, not often we get anything newsworthy from a you know, press conference in a game where he blows somebody out by 40 points. But all right, um, do you, so you, you think it's Duke or Louisville? If you had to pick, you would pick Duke? Yeah, I was or, thinking of my first answer, which was Duke in the okay. offseason. I like Trey Jones. Um, I like the leadership there. I like uh, the, the way that they play defense. You know, you and I have talked about this, or you, me, you, and Obvious have talked about this. That yeah, like, I feel like Duke has kind of adopted the Virginia type defense, defense first mentality, and certainly this year, yeah. And you can travel with that. You know, that you, that you can take that anywhere. And I feel like um, if Matthew Hurt could obviously get into gear, that would help. Um, it's probably not going to yeah, be he played great the other night. Yeah, it's probably not going to be every game, but you spatter some of that in there. No, they just roll the they they roll their like white guy roulette or whatever. <laughs> du jour. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, who's the white guy that's hot today? Is it Joey Baker? Is, is it Alex O'Connell? I feel is like Hurt has the highest ceiling in that group, and he does. Uh, you know, you throw Jones and Carey, and with you know their formula has been the shooter of the day. I think if if Hurt were to be developed into some consistency, that would certainly behoove their stock. So um, I'm, I'm picking them. And then I think it's Louisville and probably Virginia would be my, my top three. Do you, do you like Trey Jones that much just because he's on your fantasy team? <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll be honest with you. The thing I appreciate, well, first of all, Ty Jones was one of my favorites. Um, but I think the thing I really appreciate about Trey Jones was last year, like, Central Florida embarrassed him. Um, like they left him alone. They treated him like the you know the scrawny kid in the pickup game in you know downtown Harlem. Like they embarrassed that kid. And for him to come back the next game and shoot the way he did and play the way he did mm-hmm. uh, against Virginia Tech, I, I just I thought spoke volumes about um, his character and, and competitive spirit. So I was extrapolating that into. You know, you have this whole off season from your freshman year where, you know, you had a good year, but obviously there's some things that you could work on. And I, I think he's really shown that type of progress and maturity. And I, it goes a long way, you know, against other teams that, that don't have the experience that he's had. He still is not a great shooter, but he has enough guys around him now that are that I don't think it's quite as impactful um, when he's given a little bit more space as it was last year um, when they didn't have... Um, really anybody else that could shoot from three so um, yeah it's it's definitely helped to have a few guys that they know can get hot um, from time to time all right well we've gone too long I'm sure but I will get you out of here on that all right thanks so much and seriously state don't on Saturday do not (laughs) do not all right bye everybody 